When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. He's back in the air chair in studio, Doug Oster. But before I get to Douglas, let me just say we'll take the 10th caller at 412-922 to win a $25 gift certificate to Sorgles. And we got Davey Tree, a little curb appeal action coming up in about uh, 30 minutes from now. But we would like to spend some time with you on the phone line. Spring is sprung. The weather's going to be around 80 by midweek. Time to get some dirt under your fingernails and start moving that earth around. And that garden, it's all about now. Go time. So any gardening questions are welcome at 866-391-1020. Busiest man in the garden biz. Here he is, Mr. Doug Oster, DougOster.com. Hey, Doug. Good morning, Rob. Could you give that contest number again, please? 412-922-1020. All right. Well, today we're going to be talking to Miles Stevens from the Davy Tree Expert Company for Talking Trees. We're going to talk all about curb appeal and will our magnolias actually bloom this year? It's looking pretty good right now. Everything's butted up. I posted a picture yesterday and yeah, if you've got a call, if you've got a question, I'll take a question here in the first uh, segment if you want to talk and then right after the break we'll be all callers until we get uh, Miles on here and the peas are up. Yes, they have sprouted. Planted on St. Patrick's Day, and peas are up, but th- don't stop. That doesn't mean that you've missed uh, an opportunity to plant. Uh, succession planting is one of the things that I'm really big on. So I planted peas on St. Patrick's Day, then I planted a couple weeks after that, and I've got some that I'm planting today. If you plant everything the same day, you're just assuming that weather and pests and diseases are on your side, and if you've gardened for longer than a day, you, you know that doesn't work. Uh, planted all my tomatoes, not all my tomatoes, but many of my tomato seeds yesterday. And so I'm trying to plant every variety that I have. And I have a giant Ziploc bag filled with seeds from all the way. One of them I saw was from 1979. So we'll see what sprouts. And, uh, you know, even though I'm I probably, I'm trying to think how many, at least 80, 90 different varieties uh, planted yesterday. I'll only, I'll only plant maybe 15 of them. I mean, when I get to the into May, I'll only put about 15 in the garden, but the rest I'll just give away. And uh, I do have my, we'll talk about this when we get closer, but uh, the plant swap is uh, Sunday, June 4th at Sorgles, 1 p.m. And, uh, but like when we get closer, we'll talk about it, but I'll have plants there. And my peppers, I've sprouted, they're up, which is exciting. You know, if you're going to do peppers and you still have time to plant peppers inside, one of those heat mats really makes a difference in getting them sprouted because they are very stubborn to sprout at, you know, 65, 70 degrees. And that uh, that heat mat just had those peppers up in a week. And so uh, I've got the tomato seeds uh, on the heat mat. I've got a few more peppers on the heat mat. And as I often say, the only thing besides that heat mat you really need is strong light 
to get those seeds to do their things. And there's still time to plant things like tomatoes and peppers. It's not too late. Uh, I do have some other stuff that has sprouted. I'm growing this really cool arugula. It's called Red Streaked Arugula. It's a wild variety, which are the ones I like because they're really strong. But it has beautiful, you know, red variegation to the foliage. And I fell in love with arugula, and I wrote this story uh, on my Facebook page uh, when I went to Italy with my wife for our 25th anniversary. It was the first time I had... uh, gone to Europe and I was so nervous about going, but we were there for two weeks and this was 2006, I think. And like that first or second day, we were sitting in this uh, restaurant on the corner of of a street and served this salad with rocket in it. I didn't know what rocket was and it was arugula. And so that's become my obsession. I'm growing all sorts of different types of arugula. And arugula, you can grow it in this cold weather like this. You could throw seeds down outside right now, and it would sprout when it's ready. And uh, it grows like a weed, you know. And if you like that peppery flavor, uh, it's pretty awesome. Then another really cool, weird thing that I have sprouted is red tatsoi. And so tatsoi comes from the same family that uh, kale and mustards come from. But it's real mellow, uh, real mild. Uh, You can find just regular old tatsoi seeds at your local nursery. But I'm always telling you this. I'm always saying, try something different. Try some of these greens uh, that are are, uh, you've never even heard of before. And I don't think you'll be disappointed at all. And Tatsoi is one of those things that just, it thrives in cold weather. It will not grow in warm weather. So it has to be started now. Uh, and then I've got a bunch of different lettuces that have come up, and this is all exciting. It's just all exciting, and to see the daffodils blooming, and it's just wonderful. I'm going to get a couple flats of pansies today. Going to uh, Again, I've started planting already, but I'm going to get a, a couple more flats of pansies, put them in containers. One l- good trick is uh, if the nursery has them, I love to mix pansies and violas with a really cool-looking lettuce, like a freckles or there's one called flashy trout back it's just like a variegated lettuce and it it's kind of a trend to put ornamentals and and, uh, edibles together but you know that lettuce will grow for a while and then you harvest it and that leaves room for the pansies to really take over the pansies love cold weather they'll go till about july 4th and uh just instant color and so that's going to be a fun project today. And it, I did an interview with a guy from Davie, who's our turf expert, Zane Raddenbush. And too early to plant grass seed, actually. He says that uh, soil temperatures should be up into at least 50 degrees uh, before you put any grass seed down. And that's good advice. And it, actually, he was telling me something I really didn't know, that the end of the season is so much better for fertilization, for seeding. Uh, I'm going to have to, let's see if we can get him on the show, because uh, it was pretty interesting. So w- spring has sprung. I would love to talk to you today. Give me a call, 866-391-1020. If you've got questions, comments, or interesting gardening stories. Uh, another thing about those bulbs, about those daffodils that are blooming right now, and then pretty soon the hyacinths, and hopefully magnolias, uh, is to write down or take a picture where those spring bulbs are and where they aren't. You know, I, I always talk about this. Uh, and I was out shooting pictures last week just so that I know where to plant in the fall. 
you'll never remember. <laughs> you think you'll remember, but you'll never remember. And I just, I get such a feeling of, uh, just a nostalgic feeling when I look out at all those daffodils. You know, I probably tell the story this time of the year every <laughs> every week, but growing up in Cleveland and Lakeview Cemetery and Daffodil Hill and visiting as a seven-year-old, you know, and then moving to Pittsburgh 20-some years ago and planting my own Daffodil Hill in memory of my grandparents. It's just wonderful to see everything blooming. So give us a call. Don't sound so desperate. Don't give us a call. They'll be there. Please. Please call. Have faith. 866-391-1020. He's Doug. I'm Rob. Back with more in a moment. All right, before Miles Stevens and Davey Tree, a little curb appeal, talking trees with Doug in about 15 minutes. This is your chance to phone in, and we always keep Miles around for that last segment, so if you have a tree question, you can call in as well. 866-391-1020. Can't explain. Here's Mary. <laughs> you sure you don't want to do more of these on remote? No. I told you how desperation works, and I got a caller. All right, you are back. Uh, in the air chair in studio after the last couple of weeks of being on remote, and he's eager to get going. So let's say hi to Mary in Leedsville. You're on KDK, or is that Leedsdale, Mary? Good morning. I have a question. Can I cut my rose bushes back now and then fertilize them? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, if they've started to sprout out, if you see any kind of those little red sprouts coming out. Yes. Uh, not all roses have to be cut back, though, just so you know. These are um, knockouts. You know, if they're not in the way, I wouldn't worry about cutting them back. Uh, you could start fertilization here. I, I'd wait a couple of weeks. I'd wait till things warm up a little bit. Uh, there's this thing called rose tone. Uh, yes, from I it. have that. Yeah, that stuff is great. You know, and if you give that your ro- to your roses once a month, they'll go nuts. But if you want to give them a little, you, you can't you can't do anything wrong on a knockout rose. If you want to give them a little bit of a haircut, that's fine. You don't have to. They'll just do their thing with a little bit of fertilizer, and you'll be good to go. And fertilize. I have an azalea and laurel that were affected by that severe cold mm-hmm. that are all brown. Mm-hmm. Should I put fertilizer on those now or cut them back or just wait and see? Okay, don't cut those back. Let's just see how they respond. Uh, and that's not the only, you know, we've had a lot of plants that got really hammered during that uh, December cold snap. I, again, I would wait a couple of weeks for the fertilization just until things warm up a little bit. For those two plants, though, I would use something different from the same company. So for the roses, it's called Rose Tone. Great. For the azaleas, rhododendrons, and hollies, and laurels, it's uh, Holly Tone. And that stuff is really easy to find. It's inexpensive. You can find a little bag for eight, nine bucks, and that will do the trick. And again, we're waiting to see. If these uh, if these plants come back, I, I hope they do. You know, I've got this one shrub I love. It's called Caria with a K, and it just has these beautiful orange-yellow blossoms. It's a monster, too, eight foot by eight foot, but it's all brown, too, so we'll see what happens. That was, uh, that was some unusual weather. All right, thanks for the call. Let's go to uh, Nancy in South Fayette. Nancy, you're on with Doug Osher, the Organic Gardener, KDKA Radio. Good morning. Nancy, good morning. Oh, hi. I'm sorry. I'm in the car, and I lost you for a second. Hey, Doug, good morning. Um, I have a question. We moved in the fall, and I dug up a a bunch of Rose of Sharon's and perennials. I've had them in pots in my garage. 
I'm wondering if I do I need to take them out gradually, or when the weather turns, can I just take them out and plant them? No, when the weather turns, you can take them out and plant them. The big thing that you're going to have to remember is that we want to wait until the soil can be worked. You know, there's really since they're in pots, there's really no hurry. Uh, but you don't want to start turning that soil over. And again, I'm like a broken record on this, but this time of the year, if the, if the soil sticks to the shovel, it's too wet. And, and when you do that, you're kind of changing your soil structure. And with all the rain we've had in the last few days, just wait until things dry out a little bit and they'll be good to go. In fact, I would be tempted to bring all that stuff out of the garage or wherever you have it. And just let it outside and let it sprout on its own in the pots. And they'll, they'll, be, okay. they'll kind of give you an indication when it's time to put them in. And they'll all be fine. Was that hard for you, though, to leave your garden and to change places? Oh, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it was really hard because I had about, I would say, at least half of my property were perennial gardens. Um, I called you before. I have to go back and dig up my... Um, probably 70-year-old uh, plants that were my mom's, right. and you suggested to wait until they start to sprout. But I took a little bit of, of everything, some lilacs, and, um, you know, we'll see if they take. Can I ask you one other real quickie? Sure. This is new construction. The soil is terrible. How should I amend it before I start planting? You know, I would want to get uh, compost. You know, in, in your case, you might need more than just a truckload. Uh, okay. You know, a truck, a, a pickup truckload is is one yard of compost, um, okay. and so, you know, if you got somebody with a pickup truck, you might be able to get away with that. If you get it delivered, that's that's kind of the problem. Is that well, you could do it by the bag also, but you know me, I'm uh. a, I'm a cheapskate. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm seventy. I don't do bags anymore. <laughs> yeah, you know, even if you get it dumped, are you going to be able to move it, uh, or are you going to want somebody? I've got a guy who, okay. who helps me with some of my landscaping, so I'll have him come out for a day and, you know, and for do the, it. For the perennials, I would I would dig uh, planting holes about three times the size of the actual pot, and then I would okay. incorporate the bad soil with the compost, kind of 50-50. You know, you don't want just a big planting hole filled with compost. That becomes like a container, and the roots won't spread out. And so improve the, those planting holes the best you can. It's I'm I'm assuming it's going to be impossible to improve all the soil where your perennial bed's going to be. Is it is it going to be how big is it? Well, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, I do, I don't know at this point. I'm just sort of flying by the seat of my pants right now. I haven't had a chance to really go out and look and we're putting a deck on so everything's dug up at the moment anyway. Oh boy. It's, oh boy. it's kind of a mess. Take your time, think it, think it over, uh, do those planting holes with compost, and you'll be in good shape. All right, let's say hi to Mickey. Mickey, got about two minutes before the break. You're on KDKA, the organic gardener. Hey, Mickey. Mick, go ahead. Hi, last, last time I called with my recipe for Israeli salad, I left out an ingredient, an important one, so I thought I'd give you the full recipe this time. Please do, because it sounds delightful. Start from the very beginning and give it to us and get it done in about a minute and a half. Okay, I will do it. So you take fresh tomatoes from your garden and you dice them. Then you take your cucumbers and I take the skins off. I also like to seed them and cut them in chunks. Then you take one can of black olives, which you rinse and drain. 
and then you take one can of garbanzo beans, also known as chickpeas, which you also rinse and drain. You take the cut-up vegetables and the two, uh, the olives and the chickpeas. You mix it all up, and you sprinkle it lightly with a real good quality olive oil, and you salt and pepper to taste. It is a salad that eats like a meal. It is wonderful. It uses your cukes. It uses your tomatoes. It's nutritious. All right. Thanks so much for calling back and give us the full recipe. That sounds great. All right. Tell everybody what Mal's going to be talking about. So, Miles Stevens from the Davy Tree Expert Company will be here next, and we're going to talk all about curb appeal, ripe tree for the right place, and will our magnolias actually bloom? All right, we're going to be telling you about Big Bunny Hop Day at uh, Janowski's. We also have that great giveaway coming up, and yes, Miles will be here as well, not only to talk to Doug a little curb appeal, but then that final segment, he'll be taking your phone calls on trees as well. So if you have a tree question, line up now, 866-391-1020, 866-391-1020. Next hour, Easter traditions and Passover traditions on the Coons Cooking Hour, and then the best of edition of Dr. Sean Ritchie helping people get over neuropathy, all today on KDKA. Well, welcome back to Miles Stevens from the Davy Tree Expert Company. Miles, where are you calling in from anyway? Uh, Scenic Niagara, New York. For hockey, right? Yes, our youngest son, his last tournament in his uh, hockey, amateur hockey career. All right. Good for you. Now let's talk uh, first, before we get to curb appeal, this winter that we had, and I'm getting calls every day about different trees and shrubs that during that December period turned brown. What are your thoughts about coming back in the spring for these plants? Yeah, it's a sort of a wide array of plants, arborvitae, boxwoods. Uh, Hollies really seem to got nailed, and I think that, that sudden temperature drop really got them. With hollies, I can say, yeah, we're, I'm trying to be optimistic right now because when I go out and look at them, they've, they've dropped a lot of leaves. But when I look at the buds and the, you know, the branches, most of them still seem to be viable. So what I'm hoping is that as we warm up and get into spring, they're going to push out some new growth. Now, having said that, even if they do that, they're probably going to look still a little sparse for a while. It's going to take a while to recover. Um, boxwoods, same thing. Uh, some of them really took a hit. Depends on their exposure. Uh, seeing you know, ones are sort of a little more protected, not much. Other ones are a little more exposed to the wind or whatever, uh, browning or whatever. I'm hoping they come back, but I think they're a little more sensitive in a sense than some of the hollies on that uh, regard. Um, and the arborvitae, some discoloration, browning, some needle drop. Uh, I'm like once again, when I look close at the buds and that type of thing, they seem to be seem to be viable. So. Uh, optimistic that they will they will uh, they will recover. If we do start to see the plant bud out, when is the right time to fertilize? Uh, you could do it early on uh, in in the spring. Here would, would be ideal to try to help them out. We've had a lot of rain here as of late and good moisture soil moisture conditions. So I think things would be right to do that. Then it's like you know she'll be helping them along. I just wouldn't, uh, on the other hand, I wouldn't shock them with too much fertilizer either. Yeah. But uh, a nice, you know, balanced fertilizer would be very helpful. Talk about the way that you guys fertilize with that probe and how that works. Yeah, what we do is we uh, we inject the fertilizer in the ground. We use hydraulic pumps. And what we do is we put that in the soil. And underneath the shrub, there'll be some, you know, smaller injection points around them. Trees, basically, we do a grid pattern 
underneath the trees. And what we're really trying to do is get into to the feeder root zone. In other words, with trees, we're not going to you know, inject close to the trunk, but rather a little further out and do like a grid pattern. The idea being to get that fertilizer equally distributed through the root zone and therefore help the plant be able to absorb it and take it up and, uh, you know, increase plant health vigor and, and certainly in conditions like we've had recover better. One more question before we get to curb appeal, which is what we're supposed to be talking about. Will our magnolias bloom this year, Miles? You have to tell us. <laughs> uh, well, I, I think they'll bloom. I've seen some blooming already. The, the question always is, is uh, are we going to get some sort of frost here to knock everything out? You know, it's been sort of warm and things have been starting and stopping, starting and stopping, which in one hand isn't unusual for here. But this year, because we had such a mild winter, things started breaking out a little bit early. So we'll see. I mean, it's like we get a frost coming along here at, at just the wrong time. You know, they, they can be zapped. But I've seen a couple of star magnolias that are already blooming. So, that, you know. That's not very encouraging. My, my, my buds are swollen up and colored, so I'm just I'm crossing my fingers. So when you hear the title of, of today's segment, Curb Appeal, what's the first thing that comes to mind for you? I'm looking at a, at a landscape and trees that are they're looking good and healthy. Uh, what, you know, uh, going to be looking for this year to sort of improve that curb appeals with all the wind we've had here lately is to, you know, sort of go through and take a close look at everything because I suspect you're going to find some, uh, you know, some uh, broken branches, if not things on the ground. But uh, curb appeal, just uh, everything coming through the winter and, uh, uh, you know, uh, looking good, slowly uh, budding out, that type of thing. When does planting begin for trees? Well, actually, we've already planted some deciduous trees already. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, so, but in general, you know, mid-April through uh, June, whatever. But it's like certainly, once again, we've had mild weather. We had uh, the trees. So we went ahead and uh, we've already planted some trees. There's no, you know, deciduous trees, I mean, they're still pretty much so dormant. Now, you can put them in about any time of year, really. But uh, once again, mild weather has been, for the most part, you know, planting season could begin Ow. And so with all this wind we've had, which, you know, I, I live in that oak forest and I cannot stand when we have these crazy windy days. In fact, when I was coming to uh, to the sh- studio today, I had to shut down the truck and get out and move some big giant branches that fell down. What should we be looking for uh, up in the canopy? I'd be looking for hanging branches uh, you know, that didn't somehow make it all the way to the ground. That'd be one thing. Secondly, um, in some cases, you know, trees might have multiple trunks. We look to make sure there's no splits, cracks in those, because that could be, you know, damage could occur now, but it didn't totally, you know, uh, split apart. And then later on in the season, once the foliage comes out, puts more weight on, you can see failure with some of those um, things I look at. Even looking at the, the surface of the ground, especially maybe more so with evergreens, you look for some heaving and whatever in the ground to see if that tree started up. And that, that could be hardwoods too, but right now, evergreens, the big thing is, you know, especially some big old spruce and pines, they have their foliage on all the time. So they catch the wind all the time. You know, deciduous trees, no leaves, the wind sort of blows through them a little bit more. They're not like a, a big sail. So I would be, you know, even start at the ground and look, make sure there's no heaving, that type of thing where the, root, the roots are starting to, to pull up out of the ground. Talk a little bit about the importance of getting a certified arborist to take a look at the property, especially after a season like this, 
and and why it should be a certified arborist with that code of ethics. Right. Well, yeah, important to have an arborist, certified arborist, come out and take a look because he can recognize some of these things we're talking about. You know, if you're, you know, uh, a typical person, you'll look up, ah, it looks okay. But a certified arborist can be able to look up and look for those structural issues that may be at hand with the trees and be able to advise on that. Plus, look for the heating, you know, on the ground, on the ground surface areas. And also with, you know, some of the winter damage uh, as far as, uh, you know, foliage uh, and those type of things. You know, he's going to be able to recognize, you know, is this a is this a result of the winter weather or are there other issues, maybe some sort of disease issue? He's going to be able to recognize those things for you and give you the best advice as what you what you really should do. You know, one real quick question. A lot of these plants like they're they're breeding things like Rose of Sharon that are sterile, that that won't make babies. Can I trust that? Like, you know, I've got this. Rosa Sharon, and we only have about 30 seconds left. I got a Rosa Sharon. It's called Sugar Tip. They say that it's sterile and it won't make all those babies, which, you know, drives people crazy in Rosa Sharon. Do I trust that? Well, uh, I would say time will tell. Uh, <laughs> it's like years they would, well, for years they'd say, well, we have these uh, dogwoods that won't get anthracnose. I mean, I'm talking about native dogwoods, right. Florence Farida. They say, oh, they don't get anthracnose, and you don't really know. So they're out there in every environmental situation we have as to whether they're really going to be not have a problem with, uh, with anthracnose or not. Because there's been ones come out before, and we plan them, and what happens a couple of years later, they get some anthracnose. Now, maybe not as severe, but, uh, you know, but I, I think proof in the pudding is like five, ten years down the road. And when they've been out there, then you see that, okay, this is, this is not an issue. But right now, I mean, if you want to plan them, plan them. But. Yeah, we will only see through time. Time will tell us. All right, Miles, you hang in there. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to Davy.com slash KDKA. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree at 855-982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733. All right, we'll come back just a couple of moments. Do want to remind you, Pittsburgh, thank you for your generosity. Amazing again this year to everyone who helped us provide 351,000 meals for the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank through our Giant Eagle Feed the Need Radiothon. Thanks to our friends at Spitzer Toyota, 84 Lumber, Bill Few Associates Wealth Management, Dunnegy, Nemecolon, Aetna Medicare Solutions, Hampton Beer Outlet, and UPMC Life-Changing Medicine for your support. All right, Doug is back with Miles Stevens, Davey Tree, as we continue talking everything in the way of gardening, but especially those tree questions while Miles is on the line with us. But Mary wants to talk about daisies, and she's on the air right now with Doug Oster on KDKA. Hi, Mary. Choo-choo! <laughs> okay, Mary, all aboard. Uh, <laughs> there's always one daisy in the, in the bunch. All right, Doug, you the and The train Miles. left the station. That's okay. We, hey, hey, Mary had to do what Mary had to do. Go right ahead. Hey, Miles, when we're talking about uh, trees, I know one of your favorites uh, is a native called uh, sourwood. Uh, and every time I have you on, I want, we, we talk sourwoods and we talk pawpaws. Uh, let's talk with native trees in general. Um, what, what is the importance of native trees for, for us for planting those here? They're most suited and adjusted to our weather conditions, the environmental conditions, soil conditions, uh, pest issues. You know, typically, you get a plant that's native to an area that's adjusted, doesn't seem to have the problems with pests, you know, be it insect, mite, or disease that you bring trees in that are, are not native to that area. 
And uh, so I, I think those are really the key things that are adjusted to our environment and our soils and will perform the best of, you know, in this area. And that's, you know, that'll give you the best uh, successful planting results for the long run. So tell people what that sourwood looks like, because it is a cool tree. And I, I actually, after you and I working together, I put one into my uh, landscape, too, because I think it's a cool tree. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting tree. It, uh, you know, obviously green leaves during the growing season, but later on it gets a white pendulate flowers that hang down. And then in the fall, it turns a really beautiful, like, purple, reddish color, uh, and it really really stands out in, in, in the landscape. Uh, it's sort of a nice tree for if you have a little more limited area to plant. They, they're slow-growing. They don't get large. I mean, large in the sense that they can certainly get 35 to 40 foot tall, but that is a goodly number of years down the road, but just a pleasant plant to have around. And, and also, they're a great uh, tree for honeybees. Uh, they love they love the sourwood flowers. You'll get honeybees. You've got everything else that wants to pollinate and help pollinate, too, hanging around. But, boy, great for, uh, great for uh, honeybees. In fact, if you'd have a bunch of uh, sourwood, it makes, a very, it makes a very good honey from sourwood flowers. Mm. And so... You know, we talked about the uh, the sourwood, and I know you have one, and you say it doesn't get that big, but talk a little bit about the right tree for the right place because this is a constant problem, and this is something that you and I always talk about as we drive around our area, especially in new construction, and see trees planted in the wrong spot. And if they're not moved within a couple years, you might not be able to move them. Right, exactly. And it's like, once again, now always talk about your plant trees, you need to think 3D. You know, just not where you are right there. You know, what's, what other, um, how much room you, you, do you have for this tree to, to develop into a mature tree? You don't want to be shoehorning something into a small area. So if you're, you're planting something that gets large, like a red oak or pin oak, make sure you have an area big enough for that tree to fully develop. And, you know, don't plant it, you know, five feet from the house because that's going to be an issue. Also, you know, most areas around Pittsburgh, you have overhead utility wires. You know, don't plant a tree. It's going to want to get to be 60 foot tall right underneath the utility wires. You're sort of setting yourself up for a, a conflict later on, you know, be it the, the main power source or, you know, the service wires coming into your home. Uh, you know, pick the right tree from the standpoint of, uh, you know, uh, uh, is it a sun-tolerant tree? Is it more shade-tolerant? You know, those type of things, you know, don't don't put, you know, put a dogwood in the middle of your front yard if it's southwest facing and it's not going to get any protection from other trees. So you'll be looking at all the aspects as far as that. And once again, you know, try to source out some native trees that perform the best. Not a bad idea to, to uh, you know, get a soil test uh, on the, <clears throat> see at the pH, you know, get even do a little soil profile to see what your soil looks like there. Sometimes you may be happy and other times maybe not so great. So you may have to, unless you're going to totally redo your soil, <coughs> excuse me, you may have to pick a tree that's a little more tolerant of poor uh, soil conditions. Well, we only have about a minute left, and I can't let you go without talking about <laughs> pawpaws because I've been getting lots of calls. I mean, pawpaws are becoming super popular. I'm getting lots of calls yeah. about how to get, where to get the trees. It's another native, but in, in briefly talk about this pawpaw and our love of this great tree. <laughs> Oh yeah, like I said, I think they're such a cool tree, and and uh, when you get them mature enough and get the fruit, like I said, I, I've already been out checking. I have a couple of my pawpaw trees and talked in the past; they're a little more mature, lots of flower buds. So I'm really, <laughs> excuse me, optimistic that I'm gonna have a good crop from those two trees, and the other ones develop 
finding pawpaw trees can be a little bit of a challenge. Um, you know, the most recent ones I got, I had to send away for and have, you know, get them delivered to me. Uh, so I, I know that uh, every once in a while, nursery will have them. I know that the folks at uh, Tree Pittsburgh have them every once in a while. You can, if they have them, you can purchase them from there. Um, but uh, yeah, a little more difficult to come by sometimes, but certainly an interesting plant, another native native plant, and like the largest fruit and a tree uh, native plant in in you know North America. All right, Miles, thanks so much. For more information about Davy Tree or to ask what's going on with your trees, go to davy.com slash kdka. And remember, you can always call the experts from Davy Tree at eight five five nine eight two tree. That's eight five five nine eight two. Eight seven three three. I'm answering questions after the show at dougoster.com. Remember, organic gardeners, you make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, Doug, thanks. Rob Taylor coming up next with the news and its Passover recipes and Easter traditions on the Coons Cooking Hour on KDKA. Good morning. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.